But it's a special service this evening, as you can tell from the, the pool in the middle. It's a baptism service. Many of you have come for that. So we're looking forward to that. Uh, we're going to have our service uh, beforehand. So there'll be singing, reading, uh, and a message from our pastor. And then at the end of the service, that's when uh, Beth will be baptised. So just give you a bit of an idea of what's going on. John will explain as well uh, a little bit more of what baptism is all about. Seems a bit of a strange thing to many of us. Um, so he'll explain a bit more um, in his uh, message. But really, it's just water. But it's, uh, it's sort of like a picture language, really, of uh, following Jesus and, um, and publicly showing following Jesus. And it's one of the commands, actually, that Jesus gives, to believe and be baptised. And so that's what Beth is doing uh, this evening. And as I said, John will explain a bit more of the symbolism to us a bit later. We're also very grateful to Beth that she said she's willing to share her story of what God's done in her life and why she's following Jesus. Um, So she's doing that a bit later in the service. It's a big thing. Um, So we're very thankful to you, Beth, for doing that. And we're looking forward to hearing that. And then John, so our pastor here, will be sharing a message a bit later in the service. Um, and the title of that is A Baptism in the Desert. So we're looking forward to hearing that message, and that will take up a reasonable chunk of the service a bit later on. One of the things we love doing is singing, and so we're going to do that now. Uh, so we're going to sing a song that encourages us to worship God, whatever's going on in our lives. So when the music starts... Uh, We'll stand and we'll sing, and then when the song finishes, feel free to sit down again. Thanks. going to have a reading from the Bible now that John's going to speak on later. It's in the book of Acts and chapter 8 and we're going to read verses 26 to 40. You may want to look it up yourself or it'll be on the 
screen behind me, uh, so you can follow it along there if you'd prefer. And uh, we've got here an account of someone else being baptised shortly after Jesus was on earth. Someone else was baptised, and uh, John's going to use this story to help us understand what Beth's doing this evening. So it says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise, and go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I? unless someone guides me. And he invited Philip to come and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a, lamb, uh, like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? Is it about himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptised? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptised him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. So looking forward to hearing a bit more about that story later. Well now we're going to pray, so let's bow our heads in prayer. Lord God, we thank you so much for the privilege of prayer. Lord, we thank you that because of Jesus, Lord, we can pray to you as our Father. And yet, Lord, you are the King of kings. Lord, I pray that we would have a sense of awe as we come before you tonight, and yet also a sense of closeness. Lord, you're a God of holiness, a God of perfection, a God of justice. And yet, Lord, you're also a God of compassion, a God of love, a God of faithfulness. And we thank you for that. And Lord, we want to thank you especially this evening for what you've done in Beth's life. Lord, we thank you for showing yourself to her, for teaching her, for changing her. Lord, we thank you that we have baptisms here this morning and we've got another one this evening. Lord, the first one we've ever had in an evening. Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, it's a special service. Lord, we thank you that you're working in the lives of young people as well as older people. Lord, we thank you that you give forgiveness. You give happiness. You give peace. Lord, all these things are found in you. Lord, you give life. Lord, we thank you that Jesus said, I came to give life and give it to the full. Lord, we thank you that you are described as the good shepherd who cares for us as your sheep. And Lord, we pray that you'd care for Beth. Lord, we pray that you'd watch over her. Lord, we pray that you'd strengthen her and uphold her as she seeks to live for you, as she seeks to live out her new life in Jesus. Lord, I pray that you'd help her to hold on to your promises. Lord, I pray that you'd help her in a moment as she shares her testimony. Lord, thank you that she's willing to do that. Lord, we pray that you bless her as she does that and you bless us through her as she does that. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us as a church as well to support her in any way we can. Lord, we thank you that church is family. Lord, that through Jesus, Lord, we're brother and sisters together. And what a privilege that is. And Lord, I pray that we would support each other. Lord, that we as a church would support and help Beth. But Lord, ultimately, we thank you, Lord, that you have promised to bless her. You have promised to help her. You have promised to strengthen her. 
And we thank you for that. Lord, we thank you as well that just last week, Lord, we celebrated Easter. Lord, we remember Jesus dying on the cross on Good Friday. The fact that he died in our place for us. Lord, the love that he showed. The mercy and grace that he demonstrated towards us. Taking the punishment we deserve so that we can have life. So that we can have freedom. So that we can have access into your presence. Lord, I pray that we would never move on from that. But Lord, we thank you as well that Jesus didn't stay dead. Lord, that last Sunday we celebrated Jesus rising again. Lord, the power of God at work. Lord, I thank you for that and for the hope that gives us. Lord, I thank you for the hope that gives us against death. Lord, the great enemy. Lord, that even death is no match for you. And so Lord, we come before you this evening and we praise you and we thank you. And we pray that you'd be with us this evening. Lord, be with us in all the, the little details. We pray that it would go smoothly. We pray that you'd help John, our pastor, as he speaks to us in this message. We pray that you'd bless him, help him to speak clearly. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to listen as well, help us to understand, help us to be willing to take in what you're saying to us. So Lord, do be with us this evening, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing another song now. It's um, based on one of the most famous bits of the Bible. Many of you will have heard it. Psalm 23, the Lord's my shepherd. So when the music starts again, let's stand and sing. we come to the service that many of us are very much looking forward to. Beth, maybe not quite so much, but thank you. Are you happy to come up and share what God's been doing in your life and why you're following Jesus? So, thank you. Over to you. Well, I didn't fall in, so I think we've made a good start. Um, I wasn't born into a Christian household and I wasn't born to Christian parents. This journey started when I was in primary school and was asking my parents questions about what I was hearing in my school worships. 
I don't remember a lot from those early days. However, I do remember a very strong feeling that what I was hearing was true. And I never doubted that there was a God, and I believed in Jesus. After being invited to a spring Bible weekend, we began coming to Forest Fold Weekly between the autumn and winter of 2011 while I was in year one. And I believe for most of my years at primary school that going to church was enough to go to heaven. I was yet to learn that wasn't the case. I came to my first camp in 2016 here at Forest Fold. I had just left primary school and was nervous but very excited for my fresh start at secondary. This first camp was a challenge. I'm not an outdoor person and found the new experiences challenging, but I made new friends and had a positive response to the talks. I don't remember much of the talks on the first year, but I remember enjoying the fellowship and being surrounded by people who believed in God. The next camp I really remember was 2018. This camp we had a talk from Mark about the crucifixion, where he read a part of the doctor's account. I was struck by the pain that Jesus went through and the suffering he endured despite knowing I could reject that love. I prayed a lot that night, asking repeatedly for Jesus to take away my sins and forgive me. I woke up the next day buzzing and truly believed I had been saved. This, however, didn't immediately carry with me as things very quickly slipped away when I started year nine. 2019 was the year I threw myself completely into school and pushed God and my experiences the summer before as far from me as I could. I became very anxious and was beginning to experience panic attacks. I didn't rely on God, but looking back, I can see that God was there and carried me through those times despite my resistance. I started YPs that year and the early part proved a challenge. The first YP holiday especially. A lot of fears I had pushed away from me resurfaced. My biggest fear was that I was going to die in the night and I didn't know if I was saved. This created a lot of sleep difficulties as I was petrified of this happening. I was, however, wrapped in care and support from the leaders who sat through many long chats with me working through this. The analogy I used was I felt like I was on a roundabout and I could see the exit to being a Christian and to having that life, but I kept driving past it, unable to make the turn. It was Amanda David who shared with me that God would not do anything until my work on earth was done. And the verse she shared was Philippians 1 verse 6, being confident of this, that he who begun a good work in you will bring it to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. I hadn't understood before that this was God's work in what I was experiencing and I was beginning to understand that I wasn't called by chance nor did I get lucky and find myself here but I was called by God and this was a part of his plan for me. It didn't cure the anxiety I felt but it was certainly a step in the right direction. Camp this year also provided many hurdles one being the realisation I'd made quite a mess in my head of what being a Christian really was. Thankfully, Mark managed to help with this one, as he said that baptism was the beginning of the journey and not the end. I was very deep into my own head and I hadn't understood that baptism signifies the beginning of living as a Christian and that this isn't the end of the story. Beginning of 2020, however, my anxiety increased more and I had pushed God as far as I physically could despite all the lessons I had learnt. My only care was school and GCSEs. To me, nothing else mattered unless I got good grades. We went into the first lockdown, March 2020, and I was focusing on the work I was being set. I had so much more time, and I knew I could have spent more time with God, and that there weren't really any excuses. I just didn't want to. I simply wanted to hide. I felt very broken, and that I couldn't come to God as the mess that I was, and that I had to figure it out, fix my mess, and then come to God, when really I, could have, I should have come to God sooner with the broken pieces. I knew he could fix them, I just lacked the faith and the trust to give myself over to him. Challenges of a new lockdown meant I was in the same place as before. Our GCSEs were cancelled in the new year, meaning everything I had worked on up until this point had been thrown out of the window. I had lost my main goal and I still wasn't trusting that this was a part of God's plan. I muddled through the next five months making it to the summer where I eventually finished May 2021. A weight was lifted as I left an environment where so much anxiety was and I was ready to leave after so much disruption. I began that summer getting much closer to God again 
and was making small steps and putting my trust in him. Starting sixth form took some adjusting too, but I certainly felt more comfortable there. I still struggle with my anxiety, but we're learning to manage it. I began counselling through the sixth form spring 2022, and this period was very difficult. We lost a very close family member, but I felt very comforted in letting myself be carried by God. A difference with last year is gently God carried me, and I began to pray more, and after so long of being afraid, I saw a very loving Saviour who still holds me now. The biggest example of this was the day we walked up a mountain in Wales, Penny Fan, and we were almost at the top when I looked out and saw the most incredible sight of hills and valleys. I was completely stunned by its beauty. I turned to Emily Appleton and said how incredible it is that the same God who made all of this made every single cell in my body, and yet I look in the mirror correcting my appearance as if the same God didn't make both. This realisation, I believe, was God taking the puzzle pieces in my hands and the broken pieces I couldn't make fit myself and displaying it to me. For a long time, when I look back, I see that God has remained the same, just as the Bible says, he is the same yesterday, today and forever. A very special reminder was given to me when I was saying goodbye to a friend, Rachel, who, while I was upset that she had to go, held my hands and told me that God is the biggest comforter of all. It was a significant reminder I needed then and continue to be reminded of now. Just to finish, I want to share one verse I've been told countless times and it's plastered in our kitchen, is I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, Philippians 4, verse 13. This verse is very helpful in reminding me it's not my own strength at all that carries me day to day, but it's Jesus, and that, future makes the, and that truth makes the future much more manageable. Thank you so much, Beth, for sharing that. Well done. And uh, if you want to chat to Beth afterwards about some of those things, if you've got questions about uh, what she believes, what she's doing, I'm sure she'd be very happy to do that with you. Uh, We're going to sing a song now that she's chosen. It's her choice. Uh, It's called From the Squalor of a Burrowed Stable. It's often a song that's sung at Christmas, but it's not a Christmas song as such. It's a song that talks about Jesus coming to earth, about his death, about his resurrection, and also his return. So we're going to sing that, and then after that, uh, John our pastor is going to come and share a message with us.
Well, it's always a, a special privilege to speak from the Bible and it's especially a special privilege to speak from the Bible on a, a happy and a significant occasion like we have this evening. God is mighty and glorious and wise, maker of the universe. He made uh, the stars and the galaxies, uh, the earth and the oceans and all that is in them. Yet he's a God also who works in the lives of individuals. And that's one of the things that's so special about baptisms. Uh, We had it this morning and we have the the treat of it again this evening. God has worked in, in Beth's life and indeed in, in her parents' life before her, and it's been a great joy to see, a great thing to think about this evening. And we read in the Bible an account of God dealing with one man. It was from the book of Acts. Uh, we read part of it. Uh, Acts is full of big things happening. Thousands hear the message about Jesus. Thousands become Christians. Uh, The message goes to big cities. But here in contrast, God is dealing very deliberately with one individual and teaching one individual. A single man, a man from North East Africa, an Ethiopian, And we're going to go through what happens in this account. We're going to do it in five steps. We'll see that some of them are relevant to to Beth, her family situation, and that each of them also has a wider relevance for us. So I hope it will help us to think this evening too. We think first of a desert encounter. A desert encounter. So there's this man, Philip, And he's been very useful to the early church. He's recently been speaking in the city of Samaria, where many people became Christians. And now God tells him to go to the the desert. Verse 26, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And it seems very strange because there aren't generally very many people in the desert, hence the name, desert, deserted place. But Philip does what God has told him to do. Well, it turns out to be not totally deserted, because there is a man travelling back from Jerusalem south on his return to East Africa. Presumably he's been to one of the religious festivals up in Jerusalem. And he's heading across this barren land to the coast where he will head downwards towards his homeland. And what do we know about this man? Well, he's a man with an important job. Uh, Presumably a smart individual. He serves the Queen of Ethiopia, looking after her government finances. He's the equivalent, I suppose, of the Chancellor of of the Exchequer, a finance minister. He's called a eunuch because he served the queen, uh, a term which also implies that normal family life and fathering children was not going to be an option for him. Uh, We're not told his skin colour, but being from Ethiopia, we can have a a pretty good guess. And the man is travelling at exactly the right time and the right place to encounter Philip who God has sent to the area. And Philip is told to approach the vehicle, verse 29, and the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So God is bringing about this encounter. He wants this individual in the chariot to get some help and to know the things that he needs to know. See, God works in the lives of individuals. I think it's especially um, important to notice 
and encouraging to notice that it's likely that this was a black man. In recent years, we've heard a lot uh, uh, from the Black Lives Matter movement. And uh, you may or may not uh, agree with every aspect of the whole philosophy and politics of that wide movement, but it's clear in this account that black lives matter. God tells Philip to leave his mission to many and to speak to this Ethiopian man in the desert. God is interested and kind to people of different backgrounds, different skin colours, different ethnic groups. And God is here at work arranging things. Coincidences, we might think, but God is at work bringing something about. And as I thought about this, it reminded me of one factor in James and Vicky's sort of beginning to be linked to the church here at Forest Fold. Uh, one of the, the mums at the church here had uh, a leaflet, one leaflet left to invite uh, children to uh, a children's Bible weekend that we had here. And she prayed over who to give it to. And then she saw James and Vicky and she gave it to them as an invite. And they started to come to Forest Fold and to hear more about Jesus. Well, maybe things have happened in your life to bring you into contact with the Christian message. A chance meet-up. Events in your family that have brought some uh, conversations out into the open. God works through such things. I heard of somebody this week who was very thankful that his surname began with S. It seems a bit random, But uh, at uni, in the first year that they had, there were loads of practicals and they tended to organise the practicals by alphabet. So we always ended up in a group with somebody whose surname was Sinjin and Saul and those two were Christians and he wasn't. And by the end of the first year, he'd become interested in Christianity and is then a Christian and later on a, a preacher, a minister, Christian minister. God was using these encounters to bring somebody to know about Jesus. Well, maybe something like that has happened recently to you or in your family. I can look back at things which God used to bring my family, which wasn't a Christian family, in contact with the church here, which led to me coming to know more about Jesus. I have a desert encounter. God working in the life of of this individual. We have also a man with questions. I guess it was hot in the desert. But Philip is seen running uh, to catch up with the chariot. He's been told to speak with somebody in. And he can hear something as he approaches the chariot. Uh, The man inside the chariot is reading, and he's reading out loud, as was usually the custom. I don't know how easy it is to read on a journey. I don't know if you ever read when you're travelling. But uh, he was sufficiently serious about what he was looking into that he was happy in the chariot to be reading aloud. Um, And he was reading part of the Bible, a part called Isaiah, chapter 53. And Philip, perhaps panting from running to catch up with the chariot, asked, do you understand what you're reading? Verse 30. How can I unless somebody helps me? Says the man inside the chariot. And he invites Philip up into the chariot to help him, to speak with him, to look at the passage that they're looking at together. And he says, who who is this person talking about? As he reads the passage. So this Ethiopian man was a man with interest and he was a man with questions. Well, James and Vicky's interest was stirred many years ago and they came along to our Exploring Christianity course that we have here and uh, they had some follow-on Bible studies, I remember some of those times and they wanted to come here and hear teaching. They had questions, they were wanting to find out. But even before that, 
Beth had lots of questions through so much of her life, even at a very young age. She said it at the start of her, of her story that she had lots of questions. Do you have questions? Do you have questions? I've been reading a, a book this week about a- agnosticism. It's got, it's got a cheeky little title. It's called, Are You 100% Sure You Are Agnostic? And uh, I'd be happy to lend it to you when I've finished it or buy you one if you're interested. And it, interestingly enough, that book says that there are three types of agnostic. So agnostic is a person who says they doesn't, don't know about God, really, agnostic. Well, I won't go into types two and three, but type one is I don't know about God, but I'm open to learn. I don't know about God, but I'm open to learn. I'd like to know. Well, maybe that's the sort of person you are. Maybe you would call yourself an agnostic. You're not an atheist. You're not definite. You don't sort of shut it all away, but you just say, I don't really know. And maybe you're a type one agnostic. I don't really know, but I'd like to know. Well, I'd encourage you to be like this man. Ask questions. Find out. Uh, get along, somebody alongside you in the chariot, if you like, of your life and the journey of your life uh, to answer some questions. Maybe do a, a Hope uh, Explored course or a Christianity Explored course. Maybe have a chat with one of us. We had a man here with questions. I wish more people had questions, actually. So I think we just, so many of us just go through life. I mean, lots of little questions about things that don't matter and no questions about the big things that really do matter. A man with questions. Well, what did this man hear as he was heading south and as Philip had gone into the vehicle with him? Well, we come on to then a message about Jesus a message about Jesus. It's put very simply in verse 35. It says, Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture, this part of the Bible, he told him the good news about Jesus. He told him the good news about Jesus. It was the explanation of part of the Bible he was reading. You know, this Isaiah 53, it's an amazing chapter. It's worth a read if you've never come across it before. It was written over 700 years before Jesus came and yet it predicts in so much detail about Jesus and what he would do and why he would do it. And that's what the Ethiopian man was was reading about. We see in verse 32, it says, Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this, Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearers is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. As someone being slaughtered to someone being quiet like a lamb in response to somebody being dealt with unjustly, tremendously unjustly. There's somebody who's going to lose his life and as he hears this, he's, he's puzzled and he wants to know. And as Philip explains to this man in the chariot, he says, this is pointing to Jesus. And the answer, you know, to so many of our questions is likely to be centred on Jesus. God sent his son into the world. He taught many things that his father in heaven wanted us to know. He performed many miracles which are unexplainable in other ways and through divine power to show who he was and why he came. But as this passage anticipated, many years before he came, he went to the cross. He became a substitute, was punished instead of others. You see, many of our problems, ultimately all our problems, can be traced back to a broken relationship with God. I hope you realise that's the biggest problem of all. 
That's what the Bible would say is the biggest problem of all, our broken relationship with God. And it's a break that we've initiated because we've ignored God, or we've gone against what he says, we've charted our own course through life, it's led to the damage of others and the damage of ourselves. The Bible calls it sin. And Jesus is the answer to that big problem. Just to quote one of these other verses from Isaiah 53, it puts it like this. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid on him, this person to come, the Lord has laid on him, Jesus, the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So Jesus, on the cross, took on himself the guilt, the shame, the punishment for others so that they could be right with God. And you may notice from Beth's testimony that the cross of Jesus became special to her. And it's normally like that as people become Christians. The cross, which was just for something not particularly important in their life, suddenly becomes something very meaningful, very central. And in fact, the way in which they can become right with God. Now if you want answers to your questions, the big questions, you'll find out, you'll find a lot of help by finding out more about Jesus. And I would encourage you not to go through this life with just a vague view of Jesus with just a sort of, if I can call it, a stained glass window view of Jesus or a ladybird book view of Jesus. <coughs> Find out about the real Jesus. Out in the foyer, I think we've got on the side table some Gospels of Luke. That's so one of the Bible's accounts of the life of Jesus. Why not? Why not start to read it for yourself? He heard the good news of the message about Jesus. Well, our story is not finished. It might seem a little bit strange in the desert, but um, here we have an event with water. We have an event with water. We were told, if you like, in a nutshell, what Philip said uh, to the Ethiopian in the chariot. But I guess quite a lot was said above the wheels as they went along from the things that follow. I guess he mentioned the response that's required um, uh, to the message of Jesus, a response of, of repentance, of turning from our selfish lives to God. I guess the, the, the importance of faith was mentioned, that we put our trust alone, not in ourselves, but in what Jesus has done. And I imagine he also talked about the way in which this is shown uh, as somebody becomes a Christian by baptism. Then, hey presto, they pass some water as they travel along. An oasis maybe, or a, a field wadi, or a, a brook. And the African pipes up, what prevents me from being baptised? He'd obviously repented and believed in his chariot as they talked together, and he wants to show it by being baptised. And there's no reason not to in the mind of Philip. Believers should be baptised. And so we see in verse 38, and he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptised him. And that's what we're doing today. Those who believe and follow Jesus should show it clearly. And the Bible makes clear that is by being baptised. So this water isn't desert water, we're not in a desert, we're in Crowborough. This water is not special water, it doesn't fizz with sort of spiritual life, it's, it's tap water. But it, when somebody's baptised, like that African, they're really just saying, I trust in Jesus, I follow him, I've started a new life, God has washed my sins away. I'm a forgiven person and I want to be seen as following Jesus. It's a courageous step. 
but it's the right step for a believer. As Beth said in her testimony, it's the start. It's not saying I'm a Christian who's perfect and knows everything and have been a Christian for years. It's the start. But it's the right start. Now sometimes believers just keep it to themselves. And they don't sort of go public with their faith. And maybe that's you in all honesty. Well, today we've had uh, baptisms morning and now evening. Uh, it's the first time in my knowledge that that's ever happened here. And uh, looking around at those who've been around a few more years than I, they can correct me afterwards if I'm wrong. Perhaps the double reminder will be a, a timely prompt to some. Make clear where you stand by baptism an event with water there in the desert. Well, after the baptism, something unusual seems to happen. It seems as though Philip is whisked away, perhaps supernaturally. Things like that were happening in those days. But, but what about the Ethiopian? Well, we move on to our last point. A happy way forward. A happy way forward. Let's read about it in verse 39. And when they came up out of the water... The Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away and the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. Went on his way rejoicing. You know, the mood was good in that chariot. This was a a happy man on the highway going south. Big questions were answered. His guilt had been dealt with. Life had more focus and purpose. He's a happy man. I guess if you were behind the chariot on the way back, you'd have heard a fair few songs coming out from the chariot as he expressed his sheer joy at the events that had happened. Is that the pattern as we go forward? Well, yes it is. Now, I'm not saying that becoming a Christian makes life easy, that there's no sadness there's no difficult, there's no ups and downs, there's no big ups and downs. Now Beth was very open in her testimony, wasn't she, about the stresses and strains, the ups and downs of life. But in going forwards as a Christian, a person has a reason for deep joy, a relief that sins are dealt with, an ability to be able to go to sleep at night knowing that if you don't wake up in the morning that things are still okay. That's worth a lot. A thankfulness and relief to be off the spinning roundabout of confusion. A new relationship with God as our Father. A new understanding that makes sense of my life, my existence and humanity. These are massive things. And they give joy. I said that Philip had been speaking in Samaria earlier in the chapter and this is what it ends with as he left. So there was much joy in that city. They come to know about Jesus and there was joy. And here the man ends up going on his way Rejoicing. As I thought about it late this afternoon, it, it reminded me of a person called Ted. Now, the, 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 the Russell family would know Ted because he, he became uh, to know about Jesus about 10 years ago, uh, a similar time to they were interested. Uh, Ted was in his 70s. So it's not just for young people, you know, it's a range of ages. And uh, he was in his 70s. And I remember there was a meeting here uh, about the time when he was baptised and he he went out of the doors and he went down the car park and as he did so, he was seen to skip and dance down the car park even though he was 70s and actually fairly ill at the time. It brought joy. Well, I don't know how much happiness you know in life. I guess most of you know your ups and downs, big ups and downs, 
But beneath it all, do you have a, a deep joy? A, an inner joy? People say happiness, uh, happiness comes through happenings, joy comes through Jesus. In other words, a shallow happiness goes through the ups and downs of happenings, a deep, solid, lasting joy comes through Jesus. Well, I would encourage you to find out more about Jesus, to put your trust in him, to find out the joy that is possible to know through having a restored relationship with God through him. Well, I've been praying, I'm sure others have as well, that God will use this account of the baptism in the desert and our actual baptism that we have here this evening as things that might make a a significant difference and help to us as we go forward in our own lives. Well, we're going to move on to our next hymn in a minute and then uh, after that hymn we're going to move on to uh, the baptism. Um, I just say that uh, at the end of the hymn we always say here that the children are welcome to put themselves under their parents' supervision, of course, into a place where they get a good view of the baptism. Uh, in general, it's best for everyone to stay standing um, after the, the baptism and uh, it will also be shown on the wall so you can all have a good view of what's going on. Well, our next song is the, the wonderful song. It's a newer song, but it's becoming a classic. Maybe you've come across it. It really centres on the difference Jesus makes in our lives. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song.
Okay, so we've come to the time of the baptism. In a minute we'll go down um, and I'll baptise Beth. Um, but just before we go, um, I just wanted to share a verse with you, Beth, that I've chosen for you. You know, following Jesus isn't always easy. Sometimes it's hard. Uh, you're not alone. You've got friends and you've got the church here. I know you've used them a lot already. Uh, keep using them. But you've also got someone even better. You've got God to support you. And I want to read this verse for you. So this is in the Old Testament. Okay. Um, but God promises the same things for people who follow him. This is what he says. Fear not, I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And I know there's a lot to take in right now, so don't worry, I'll tell you it later as well. Okay. Well, what we're going to do is we're going to go into the pool, and then I've got a couple of questions for you, and then I'll baptise you. So Beth, have you been made sorry for your sin and confessed it to God? Have you turned from it as a way of life and have you begun with God's help to aim to live a life that pleases him? Yes, I have. Do you trust in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as your Saviour? Do you believe that through his death and resurrection there is forgiveness and everlasting life? Yes, I do. Well, upon your repentance towards God and your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, I baptise you in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. that we have had this evening we praise you for your grace and as we've had that note as well of invitation to others we pray that others will find an attraction in Jesus and the good news of the gospel from what they thought about this day we pray this, pray this for your glory Amen